to you. Uh, the name that's above every name. God, uh, we just love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Romans 7 is where we will be reading the first six verses in a, in a, in a moment. Uh, but uh, just a quick review, and I always say that whether it is or not, I don't know, but <laughs> sometimes it is. But uh, we saw last week uh, at the end of, of chapter 6 that everybody is a slave. And the thing is, to whom or to what are you a slave to? And we saw that there are only two possibilities. Uh, uh, either you're a slave of sin or, or you are, you're a, uh, a slave of Christ. You're either in Adam or you're in Christ. That's the two uh, possibilities. But whose slave are you? Whom are you serving? Whom are you living for? And uh, we saw that it's obedience unto righteousness. It's not obedience unto life. And why is that? Back in uh, Romans chapter 5 and verse 19 it says, Even so, through the obedience of the one, that's Jesus, the many will be made righteous. You see, it's by his obedience, it's what, he, what the perfect life that he lived, we uh, have that uh, perfect righteousness of Christ by faith. And this is what Paul is driving home, and he wants us to, to understand that. Uh, there is a, a, a truth here that we, need to, that we need to grab hold of and that we need to really uh, see and uh, that uh, salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone. And uh, we saw that uh, we cannot serve two masters. We found that in Matthew 6. We looked at, in, at that passage. Uh, and uh, uh, Christians can fall, but Christians do not and cannot uh, practice or live in sin in a habitual way. You, you, don't, you, don't, you can't say, here I'm a Christian but I'm still living like I used to over in Adam. That's an impossibility. Because why? Well, you now have the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit now who has regenerated you. And you're going to be different. Now, there's a, sometimes there's a tremendous difference all of a sudden. And some people just go, I mean, you, you just see a tremendous change. Other people, it's a slower process. But there is a change. Amen. There is a changed life that, that comes and become slaves of righteousness. And not only that, but it's, it's an obedience that comes from the heart. In verse 17, uh, he says, uh, Paul does, that uh, it's an obedience from the heart. And that's what God is interested in. He's interested in us not to serve him uh, as guilty slaves would, who are fearful of their masters, that they're going to bash them or, or punish them or, uh, because of... Uh, uh, their state in life. No, this is a, uh, a slavery of love. And uh, we, I'm not sure I, I looked at uh, Colossians 3 uh, last week or not, but slaves in all things obey those who are your masters on earth. And of course, he's talking about real slaves here, but he says, not with external service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. And he goes on, whatever you do, do your work, notice, heartily, as for the Lord rather than for men. 
we see even if you're a slave, a physical slave of a, of a tyrant, you're to still be a slave under the Lord. You're saved now, but you're still a slave of men. But you're also a slave of Christ. Serve Christ heartily, he says, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. In other words, you're a slave to Christ now. And so act that way. Act like you're a slave of Christ. And uh, this is uh, not preached a whole lot today, sadly to say. And there are a lot of people who think that they can get a ticket to heaven and still live like the devil. And that is not the teaching of Scripture. When you're born again, uh, uh, as we have seen the Scripture, 2 Corinthians 5.17, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And there's a, a new goal, purpose, and, and on and on we can go with that. And uh, not only that, but we saw last week that it's the love. It's the love that motivates us. 2 Corinthians 5.14 we saw, For the love of Christ controls us or compels us. Having concluded this, that uh, one died for all, therefore all died. But anyway, it's the love of Christ that motivates us. It's the love for Christ and what He's done for me and that compels me to serve Him. When you fall in love and really understand the grace of God that it's not anything in you, any merit in you, any good that He chose you, that He saved you totally by His grace, it'll change your life. Because you'll love Him like you've never loved Him before. Because you have nothing to cling to except Christ. Have you ever thought about that? You have nothing to cling to except Christ. And uh, that's all. Uh, he is all we need. So let love motivate us. And, uh, and uh, we'll have a new vitality in verse 19. He says, now present your members, he says. And uh, he says, There's a, there, is a, there will be a fruit. Will not be ashamed, he says in verse 21. But now, he says in verse 22, we have fruit unto holiness. Fruit unto holiness. And, and boy, that is, that is so, uh, uh, such a wonderful thing that now we have that. And now in chapter 7, uh, Paul is, is going to now deal with the law. And he's going to uh, talk about what should we do with the law. Now that we are, we are Christians. And uh, you know, someone might say, is Paul saying, throw out the law, just throw it away because we're saved by grace, we don't need it anymore, it's just, it's of uh, no consequence, is that what he's saying? No, he is not saying that. Because he shows in, in chapter 7 and following that the law has a place, it has a purpose, but it's powerless the law cannot change you. You see what I'm saying? Oh yeah, the law as we'll see on down in 7, he says, no, it's good. It's holy. It's, it's, it's good. But it can't change you. It only stirs things up. It only condemns you. It only frustrates you. <laughs> I mean, I find that in my life anyway. And uh, the harder you try to keep it, it seems like, as Paul says, 
the things that I want to do, I find myself not doing. And we'll get to that, but I get ahead of myself. But anyway, there are three basic attitudes that people can have towards the law. Two of them are bad and, and one is good. We saw last week, uh, there's the antinomians who would teach, and that means against law, that since grace saves, just since grace saves, then throw out the law. Get rid of it, uh, do away with it, throw it out. And uh, then the other is uh, a legalist who would say, oh, you're saved by faith plus the law. You're saved by faith, yes, but uh, you have to be circumcised, you have to do these other things uh, to be saved. And that's a legalist. And, uh, uh, or keep yourself saved after you've been saved by keeping the law. That's the other danger. But I think there's a, uh, another uh, a position here. There's something that we need to remember as Christians, our attitude. This is an attitude thing towards the law. What is your attitude towards the laws in this country? Are you free to do 100 miles an hour in a 50 mile an hour zone? Well, you're free to. I mean, you can do it. But you're going to have to pay the consequences if you get caught, you see. Because it's against the law. So what are we as as Christians? uh, uh, What is our attitude towards law? And I think... We need to be law-abiding Christians. Law-abiding Christians. Not to save us. Doesn't have anything to do with saving us. Keeping the law, we've worn it out. You can't be saved by keeping the law, Paul says. But does that mean that we're not to keep the law? No. No. We're to keep the law. But it can't save us. But yes, we're law-abiding Christians. Uh, and what he's going to talk about this morning is people who are married to the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, who love him, want to keep his commandments. They want to please him. They desire to do that which pleases him. And what did Jesus say? If you love me, do what? Keep my commandments. Not break them. Don't throw it out the window. Don't, you know, no. Keep my commandments. If you love me. And if you do love him, you will. Not perfectly. But you will. Uh, And so he's going to talk about uh, not slavery. We talked about that last week. But what is he going to talk about? He's going to talk about being a bride. And about being married. That we're no longer married to the law. But now we are married to Christ. Yes, men, we are a bride. Now, it doesn't mean that we wear dresses, okay? (laughs) But we are married to Christ. We are the bride of Christ. Men are, as women are. We're part of the the bride of Christ. And that's just a wonderful thing. We'll we'll see some scripture. but, But everyone here is a bride. You're either still a bride to the law. You're married to the law. You're in Adam. You're lost. Or you're over here. You're married to Christ. You have a relationship to Christ. You love Christ. You're living for Him. You're serving Him. Uh, and that's a wonderful thing. So that's what we're talking, that's what Paul, I think, is, is talking about here. We're, we're His bride. Now, in, in verses 1 through 6, let's read that uh, together of Romans chapter 7. Or do you not know, brethren, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law has jurisdiction over a person as long as he lives. For the married woman is bound by law to her husband while he is living. 
But if her husband dies, she is released from the law concerning the husband. So then, if while her husband is living, she is joined to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law, so that she is not an adulteress, though she is joined to another man. Therefore, my brethren, you also were made to die to the law through the body of Christ, so that you might be joined or married to another. To, I think married, I think, is in the King James, isn't it? Yes, married. And, and that's really good. That's better, really, I think, than joined to another. To him who was raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit for God. For, for, for while we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in the members of our body to bear fruit, yeah, fruit, for death. And in verse 6, but now we have been released from the law, having died to that by which we were bound, so that we serve in newness of the Spirit, not in the oldness of the letter. Wow, boy, some good stuff here. And uh, uh, by God's grace, maybe I can make it clear. The general principle, uh, I believe, is, uh, of course, uh, in verse 1, that the law only has jurisdiction, authority over, or power over you as long as you live. And I think we can all understand that, right? I mean, uh, let's say the speed limit is 50, and you're doing... 120 miles an hour, and the police are chasing you, and uh, you know that the ticket's going to be $150, $200, you might even get thrown in jail, and so you said, well, I'm going to get away from them, and so you run off the road, you hit a tree, and you die. Guess what? You don't get a ticket. Of course, you've been killed, but uh, see, while you were alive, you could get a ticket, but now you're dead. The law has no jurisdiction over you anymore. Why? Because you died. Now, that's not a good thing. And by the way, uh, uh, that's kind of overdoing it to get rid of a ticket. I mean, really, don't you think? That's, you know, I'll I'll pay your $150 or whatever, okay? So just slow down. (laughs) Don't run from it. You'd be surprised how many people, though, try to get away from the law, even with helicopters above them. But but that's uh, that's what Paul is saying here. Uh, uh, The law only has jurisdiction over you as long as you live. Now, the specific application. He talks of a woman married to a man, the illustration and the application of this. Uh, As long as uh, he lives, the husband lives, uh, of course, the the woman is to stay married. Of course, and if he dies, uh, uh, then she's freed from him and she can remarry and, and what have you. I don't want to go into all of that because really this is not teaching the teaching on divorce, but uh, we want to see the, the application, I think, of what Paul is talking about here. And uh, I think what Paul is getting at, and so why does he talk about uh, a husband and, and the relationship with a, with a woman and so forth? Well, because of, of, of marriage. Okay? Now, the law, the law, I believe it is teaching, is our first husband. Everybody begins life with the law being their first husband. 
okay? And uh, once you trust Christ and are married to Christ, the law is no longer your husband. Christ is now your husband because you're married to him. And so that, that first law has uh, no jurisdiction over you anymore. And uh, you would think that the law would die, that Paul would say, oh, the husband dies, therefore the law dies. But he doesn't say that. You see, he doesn't say the law dies. What does he say? The bride dies. We die. We die to the law. The law doesn't die. By, by the way, uh, the law is still very active. And, <laughs> you know, it'll, it, it still works on you. It's still very much alive. And, and I think you know that. No, it's, it's not gone. It's, it's very active. But... Uh, uh, the, the law doesn't die, you die. And, uh, um, and so the point is, the law only has power over a person as long uh, as he is alive. But praise God, we die in Christ. When Christ was crucified, we were crucified. When he fulfilled the law perfectly... We fulfilled the law perfectly. And now we die to what the law has, with the law having any authority over us at all. It can no longer condemn us. The law cannot touch us in any way. It doesn't rule and reign over us anymore. We're no longer in Adam. We're in Christ because we're trusting him. And he kept it perfectly and now I have his record. Now that's good news. And we've talked about that over and over again. That's good news here. He, Paul is talking about. And uh, now, let's look at uh, what happened to us. It says in verse 4, verse 4, that we were made to die to the law. We talked about that. Uh, we were put to death. And uh, uh, we as lost people, we as lost people could not do what the law commanded us. And we've talked about that, of course, in the past. Uh, and Peter talks about this in, in Acts 15. Turn to Acts 15, because I, I wanted to, to see some other verses besides the, uh, the ones that I put up on the screen here. But in Acts 15, this is the council at Jerusalem, in verse 1 of 15, it says, Some men came down from Judea, and we looked at this going through Galatians, but, and, and it says, And began teaching the brethren, Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And so they come along saying, Oh, yeah, you have to believe in Jesus, but you've got to be circumcised to be saved. Now that's salvation by works, is it not? And so now, uh, Peter stands up, and so what does... So what does, uh, what does he say in, in 8 through 11? And God, who knows the heart, testified to them, giving them the Holy Spirit, talking about the Gentiles, just as he also did to us, the Jews. And he made no distinction between us and them, clean, cleansing their hearts by faith. Cleansing their hearts by notice, not their good works, not, no, it's cleansed by faith, their belief. It's always by belief. Okay. Now, therefore, why do you put God to the test by placing upon the neck of the disciples 
a yoke which neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear. He calls it a yoke. You see, it's a yoke. It's a burden. But we believe that we are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in the same way as they also are. You see, the, the, uh, the law is a, is a tyrant. Why? Because what does it demand from us? Perfection. It's interesting. And you know, it's interesting. I think Paul uses here a husband and wife illustration. Why? How would you like to have a husband as a tyrant who said to you, I want you to clean this house and I better not find one speck of dust anywhere on top of doors anywhere. And when I come home, I'm going to examine this house. And it better be spotless. Now that would be a tyrant, right? That's what the first husband was. That was the law. Why? Because you can't clean your house perfectly. Right? There's no way. I mean, we can do a pretty good job, but, you know, the law doesn't even give you a broom to do it with. There's no power there. There's no way to, you know, the, the, law, and he, and the law says, and the husband says, uh, I want you to vacuum the floors. But she doesn't have a vacuum cleaner. There's no, there's no way to even achieve, you see. And so in the law, there's no power. The power is the Holy Spirit. The power comes from the Holy Spirit who regenerates us, enables us to do what? Obey the law. And so obedience is a result of the regeneration. And this is what Paul is trying to, I think, say here. Boy, you want to be frustrated... Try to obey the law for salvation. It'll frustrate you. Because you, you just can't do it. Every time you turn around, you fail. So you try harder. And then you think you're doing pretty good, and then you fail. So I'm going to get it right this time, and you try a little harder. And what happens? You fail. And after a while, you just says, I quit. And a wife that has a tyrant for a husband, there's no love motivating that. What is she going to say? This is over. I'm out of here. But the problem is the husband doesn't die. <laughs> Wish he would. You know, the law doesn't die. You know, it keeps after us. It's bondage. And so how were we made to die to the law? Because we died to its power. We died to the bondage of the law that enslaved us. Wow, good stuff. How were we we made uh, uh, to die? How were we delivered, if you will, from the law? It says here in verse 4. Do you see it? When I get back to Romans. Verse 4. You were made to die to the law through the body of Christ. The body of Christ. The death of Christ on the cross. His perfect obedience. His perfect obedience. The body of Christ. Colossians 1, 22 and 
21 and 20, and although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through what? Death. In order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. Now, is that, is that good news or what? It's done. You're blameless. Why? Because of what he has done. Through death. He died in your place. Hallelujah. If you trust Him. If you just trust Him. You know, just say, Lord, I can't save myself. I'm a wicked sinner that fails you every day. And Lord, I need you. I need your saving grace in my life. Lord, now I trust you. With all my heart, I trust you. Why? I can't do it. Amen. And I'm going to quit trying. And fall at your feet. Have mercy on me, O Lord, miserable sinner. As Paul says in 23, I think it is, at the end of this chapter, he says, O wretched man that I am. He said, I quit trying. I just realized that I'm just a wretched guy and I need Jesus. And that's what I loved that Danny yesterday in, in, in giving the simple gospel. He said, people, we just need Jesus. You know, and I thought, gosh, this country guy's got it. I mean, <laughs> We just need Jesus. And it's just, that's it. We, that's what we need. And He is what we need. And uh, yeah, he, he put Himself under the law. He bore the penalty of the law. He obeyed it perfectly. He did what we could not do. Wow. And then what was the purpose of doing that in verse 4? What was the purpose of this? Uh, that we might be joined or married to another. That we might be married to Christ. Wow. It's not that we can do what we want to do. You know? No, it's not, it's not that I can live my own life and, and I can just do things the way I've always done. No, we're married to Christ. And we now want to do what He wants us to do. We have now a, a, a union. He is now our new husband. He is our new husband. And we're His bride. And we want to please Him. We... Uh, we're part uh, of that body. And we're in the subjections. Ephesians 5.22 Wives, again, he gets, Wives, be subject uh, to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church. Him, he himself being the Savior of the body, but as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their own husbands in everything. So husbands, uh, uh, did I skip one? So husbands aren't to uh, love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church. Because we are members of his body. Isn't that great? Because of what Jesus has done. He is the perfect husband. Did you hear what I said? Wives, how would you like to be married to a perfect husband? Any? Come on now. You couldn't stand us if we were, I don't think. But, uh, but Jesus is the perfect husband. He is the perfect husband. And we can trust him. We have union with him. We can be in subjection to him. By the way, 
in the Christian faith, uh, the wife takes the name of the husband. Why is that? We take the name of Christ. We're Christian. Amen. Isn't that neat? See, things aren't just accidentally uh, uh, take place. There's a reason behind it. How long would this marriage last? Forever. And that's exactly right, forever. It's forever. As long as he is alive, as long as Jesus is the husband, we will be his bride. What does he say? He ever liveth to make intercession for us. He ever liveth to make intercession for us. Why would we be married to Christ? Why would you be married to Christ? Is it for security? Is it for happiness? I don't think so. So all your problems are taken care of? We know that's not true. It says also in verse 4 what that answer is. That we might bear fruit for God. That we might bear fruit for God. That we might be children who would live for the glory of God. When people see us, what do they see? When people look at us, do they see evidence of fruit in our lives? Do they see evidence of that union, that marriage that we claim that we have with Christ? Are we bearing fruit in our lives? You know, the Bible says very clearly the fruit of the Spirit. Do we have the Spirit? If we have Christ, we do. Remember, that was Romans 8, 9, I think it was. But the fruit of the Spirit is, see, the fruit that we need to, people need to be seeing in us and the thing, one that leads the list that I hope this church will have above all others, and I hear this from people, is love. But joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You can't find a law against those kind of things. I wish I had and exemplified these even more. And we will as we get closer and closer to Christ and live for Him. What were we in, in verse 5 uh, uh, of chapter 7? It says, while we were in the flesh, when we were under law, when we were in Adam, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in the members of our body to bear what kind of fruit? Fruit for death. No life in that. But now, verse 6, wow. That was the introduction. No, I'm just kidding. But now, he says, here and now, but now, not later on, not when we die and get to heaven, but now, you see, we have been released from the law. Hallelujah. We're released from the law. There's no tyrant. There's no tyrant over us anymore. I, we got, we got a, a rooster. We've had hens. We've got a rooster. And you know what? Those that are in the army tell me that they cannot stand the morning when they were in the military because the DI would come around and, of course, get them up and make them get up in the morning. 
But you know what I found out about roosters? They love the morning. They just crow and crow and crow. You see, we don't have a DI that's bashing us. And we hate the morning. We're like, we should be like the rooster who looks forward to the day. Why? Because we have a new DI, if you will. Now, Paul doesn't use that illustration. Probably would have been a good one. But no, we have, we have Christ himself. Hallelujah. And he's a loving, benevolent one who, who loves us. So what do we do now? That we've been released from the law? We serve in what? You see it? What do we serve? So that we serve in newness of the Spirit. Newness of the Spirit, not in the oldness of the letter. Thank God we don't have that tyrant over us anymore. We can serve in newness of Spirit. I'm going to skip that one. Maybe I will. There is no fear in love. Again, what motivates us? What, what should compel us to serve God? Love. That's exactly right. Love. Be- we love Him because He first loved us. God did not look down into the future of time and say, Oh, I see Sid Phillips loving me. I'm going to love him. No, the only reason I love Christ is He first loved me. Hallelujah. When I was unlovely, when I was His enemy, when I was shaking my fist at Him, He loved me. Now that's amazing grace. I don't care how you slice it, that's amazing. That's awesome. Hallelujah. As we saw in the tape this morning. We serve an awesome God who is a merciful God. But perfect love. Not my perfect love. I don't have any. But Jesus does. His love is perfect. His love over me casts out fear. Why? Because I'm perfect in Him. In Him, I've got His perfect love if I'm trusting Him because fear involves punishment. Do I have to worry about punishment anymore? No. No, It's gone. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. In other words, you've got a problem with whether you really believe God loves you or not is how I read that. We love because He first loved us. Hallelujah. Wow. Wow. Let me ask you, do you love your husband? We all have a husband if you're a Christian. We may not be married uh, to a human husband here on this earth, but everyone has a husband. His name is Jesus. And he loves you more than any fleshly husband could ever love you. And that's why you can love your husbands. <laughs> and husbands can love their wives. Because he loves us unconditionally. In spite of us, he loves us. What a, what a wonderful God we have. Let's pray. Father, I just am and, and just absolutely uh, blown away at this uh, truth from Scripture that Paul uh, was so moved by your spirit and so taught of you and was made it so clear to him that salvation is by grace and grace alone, through faith alone, 
to the glory of God alone when he gave thanks to God. Lord, I just pray that you'll work in us. Change our attitude. Lord, help us to see that our old husband, the law, is dead. We're dead to, I mean, that we're dead to the law. That it rules and reigns no longer over us. We're no longer in Adam. But Lord, now we have a new husband. And his name is Jesus. And he is the perfect husband. Whoever lives to intercede for us. Lord, help us to trust him more. To love him more. To just fix our eyes on him. God, give us all grace. Give me grace to do that. In his name we pray. Amen.